What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes, on Stitcher, Bay FM, everywhere else, following on Twitter, Facebook, maybe not in person. This is the episode between Celebration Day 2 and Celebration Day 3. We're going to get through and get to is Prince on the big screen. Live Warfield afterwards and a few fan parties that were going on and some people that I met. So, Celebration Day 2, we had the piano and the microphone shows shown to us at Paisley. Part two of it, the second half. And again, that was pretty emotional. And everything that was going on at the time, the documents that were released, more people going through the 200 pages, more people finding disturbing photos and videos. Um, Of course, after that, finding vault photos. uh, That's where people concentrated more. It was, it was a sad and somber time as much as we were trying to celebrate his life while there, all this information coming out. And each time you went on your phone outside of Paisley, you're seeing some new information. Some was interesting, just like Joss Stone was supposed to be on the Too Young to Dare track. But a lot of it was very disturbing and heartbreaking, especially with someone that was so private now having everything out there, you know, what was in his bathroom and whatnot. Um, so it just made it hard to be motivated for stuff. The Nothing Compares to You song, his version of it being released, that was recorded in 1984, that was a highlight. And then we heard that Electric Fetus was selling copies to Celebration attendees uh, one, one a piece if you have your celebration pass. And it was just a small 45 purple vinyl cover. Looks very shiny and nice. So we made our way to Electric Fetus first to pick that up. Pick up our copy of it. Then we headed down to the Target Center. And um, I don't generally announce myself (laughs) it kind of sounds weird huh ladies and gentlemen I'd like to announce myself um, when I'm going to be going to things when Prince was here and I would go to Paisley Park or to other events people would ask me if I'm going and I wouldn't answer I'm still like that because it's just something that Prince trained me on you know as much as you think people are for you And wanting the best for you, not so much, especially in the position that I've been in for the past 20 years. So I don't want that negative energy. I'd rather get people by surprise and do what he did is you didn't tell anyone when you were going there or doing stuff. So I still have that. Um, So the first two days of the celebration, I was kind of able to go under the radar by the big screen, not so much, but we'll get into that. <clears throat> the big screen, we get to our seats on the floor. It's a little bit of a tight fit, just like at Paisley. Um, 
I'll say this about the tracks at Paisley. Track two was over flooded with a bunch of people. So even if you're a VIP, if you're not arriving early, you're not getting exactly close seats to the stage. Track one, there was not as many people, but it meant that you could get closer to the stage, more room to move around. It also meant that the tours you were could get separated from people and it'd be a little bit longer. You wouldn't be so crowded on things. So those are things to look to look for in the future. Um, so we get to the big screen, take our seats, um, just being asked if it's me. And I'm like, it's me, it's you, right? <laughs> and then Joel came out from Graceland that's now doing Paisley, he came out with the entire family. Now, I've seen some of them <clears throat> Paisley over the first two days. The thing that's interesting is I believe, at least publicly, this is the first time in public that they all came out united. From what I'm hearing over the past couple weeks, they have become united in things for Prince. As you remember, there was one side of two people, then another side of four. Now they're all together and they showed that united front. They didn't look too happy to be out there at all. Even some that that others will claim like the attention. It was a very somber thing. I'm sure we're finding out stuff just as much as they are but it was nice to see them united. <clears throat> now, according to reports from the Tribune and other places, there was about 7,000 people in attendance. And as people remember, this was originally supposed to be taking place on Saturday, April 21st. And because of the Timberwolves making the playoffs for the first time in 14 years on the last day of the season, they moved it to Friday, April 20th. Now you have 7,000 people for April 20th now for Prince on the big screen or a sold-out playoff game of 19,000-plus. And the NBA makes the rules, so they went with that. Now, as soon as Joel and them left, they had Alicia Keys from her 2004 Hall of Fame induction of Prince speaking. Then those Prince interviews... <clears throat> played throughout and of course they made sure to play the one that he did with scary spice in 1998 where he said he'll celebrate the day that he dies he'll celebrate the day he dies <clears throat> then they brought out the npg horns playing dmsr the dmsr groove you had fish from the funky bald heads on bass you had cat dyson on guitar you had Cassandra O'Neill on keyboards. There's another keyboard player right now whose name escapes me. I apologize. You had Marcus Anderson, Adrian Crutchfield, BK Jackson, Lynn Grissett, and uh, Joey Radfield as well up in the mix. Now you had Prince on the big screen doing DMSR. And then they were following around. You had Shelby J on vocals along with Kip Blackshire. Kip uh, has been around since around 2000, 2001. He was on the Hit and Run tour back then. 
And then, of course, you had Shelby, who's been around since 2006. <clears throat> now, the sound system was amazing at Target. The visuals, of course, of unreleased material from North Carolina shows from 2011's Welcome to America tour was amazing to see. Uh, it was just so surreal. I went live on Facebook, and there's a few things on my Facebook page from the concert, including um, a version of Nothing Compares to You that was put up there. I put up a few other things. This is something I would not have done when Prince was here. But I know that the community that couldn't make it to celebration for reasons, whether it was weather or money, or they just don't want to be there in April, they were hurting. So I decided to go live a few times. There's some videos I kept up. There's some videos I didn't, like like Little Red Corvette, just afraid of bootlegging or other things going on. And I did keep some videos up because I think it helps with the healing process to see them. I also feel in promotion, if they're wanting to take this on the road, which I believe that's what they're going to do, that you guys can see how it comes across. So I know some people thought this would be, you know, like Justin Timberlake's thing at the Super Bowl, which some people still feel that's it, and they're not down with it I don't know um, Prince was the greatest live performer of all time and from every genre of music you'd have people that would say that whether it was Chuck D Chuck D um, Robert Plant Janelle Monet, even Kendrick Lamar and all these people say it, even Quincy Jones, when he's not talking about his backside, uh, can tell you the truth on that one. So it's it's hard because I want what I used to feel at a Prince show. I want that excitement, the unexpectedness, the unpredictability. And this is what we're left with right now and is a little bit of something better than a whole lot of nothing. So I took in the show. Shelby and everyone were were on their groove going around the screen where Prince's image was projected. Um, they have energy. I know he wanted an energetic, young, athletic horn section and boy did he get it um you know i heard john bream kind of refer to them before these shows that these are like lesser known musicians than whom he's worked with i mean there was no sheila there was no bobby z but you have to understand that these these are a group this is a group that will most likely be touring with this. So you need people that are going to be available and the others just are not going to be available. They have their other things going on to Adrian and Marcus and BK. This is what they want to do along with uh, their project, the funk soldiers, which we will be getting into deep 
in the next episode. So the Prince movie screen to me, or Prince on the big screen, was entertaining. Was it what he wanted? I mean, this is a tough one that I struggle with all the time. And, you know, it's not necessarily a hologram, but you're having people perform with him on a screen. I do know, if you guys remember, 2009, Prince and his red suit at the Grammys. He presented for Best Female right after Alicia Keys did the same thing with Frank Sinatra. And after uh, announcing the nominees, Prince said, Frank Sinatra looks pretty good for being 100 years old, huh? That was his little comment about it. Um, Alicia Keys did end up winning the Grammy, by the way, for that, that Prince gave her. The thing is that's a little bit different is all the musicians on stage at one time or another performed with Prince. It wasn't like Alicia Keys, who obviously um, was a little kid when Sinatra was still here, but he wasn't recording anymore after his duet sessions in the early 90s. So there's so much conflict inside me um, of is this what he would want? Because it isn't necessarily like a hologram. But there is that that sense of how he felt about certain things like Alicia Keys performing with that. The thing is, like I said, all these musicians at one time or another performed with Prince. And it's just like when Prince would be against people covering his music. And I would get this thing <clears throat> about it. Uh, probably like a phone call at one o'clock in the afternoon after a late night after show and being told about, oh, Prince doesn't like covers. He said this again. And I went, wait, didn't Shelby open up with a Rihanna cover at the after show? So it's okay for him to do it, but not others. See, and this is the perfect explanation of Prince's walking contradiction of when he was here. He didn't like other people covering his music, but it was okay for him to do it. And as I told you before, to me, when Prince is covering someone else's music, it's cheating. Like if I'm a band or someone else, I would not want Prince covering my music because he's going to do it better than you. <laughs> You know, the Foo Fighters for a while when he did the best of you at the Super Bowl was like, should we retire the song? Because we're not going to be able to do it like that. So I kind of feel my sense of stuff. And trust me, I struggle with this every day. I think about it a lot. And I don't want to feel like I have the weight on my weight on the shoulders of my world. Just trying to do what I feel would be right and what he'd want. So there's just part of me that says, well, since it's musicians that he played with, it's interesting because Prince, one time or another, he wanted to be on stage and play everything himself. You know, 
how would that happen? How would Prince be able to be on guitar and drums and keyboards all at the same time? And it was even like a thing where he wanted it to be interactive, where the audience would have remotes of what song they wanted chosen next or what they wanted to perform, A, B, or C, what instrument. So I got to tell you, man, like a lot of those performances when they weren't um, the dance numbers, whether it was Controversy, 1999, the slowed down Montrose style version of Little Red Corvette, Nothing compares to you. And Purple Rain still got to me and uh, a lot of the others that were in attendance. I mean, even, even on a screen, the power of his music, the power of seeing him, the power of his performance still was able to come across now afterwards you know someone said to me like yo Funkenberry where's the after show Where, where's the after party where are we going to next I think that's the hardest part about these shows is that we knew that something would be mostly going on afterwards whether you're in Minneapolis or LA or in France we didn't have that. We had Liv Warfield at the Dakota, and that's where I was heading to next. I talked with quite a few fans that I saw, a lot of thank yous, and I said thank you back. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following me. I think sometimes feel people feel that they're bothering me. There's one person at Paisley who said, do you know who I think you are? And I just said, I think I, think I do. And she just said, I just want to thank you. Listen to your podcast. Listen to the first couple of days. I'm like, thank you. Then I turn around to give my phone to the person and they're kind of walking away. You're not bugging me at all. I hope you didn't think that I was rude because I wasn't trying to be rude. Um, but I wanted to spend some time before we got to the Dakota just hanging out at inside Target Center just to talk with some people. Um, someone from Sweden, Tina, who's a sweetheart. Um, we talked with her for a little bit. It was just nice seeing people. I ran to Pej from LA, who you think we would run into each other more, but LA is so vast. I don't think I've seen Pej in almost a year. Um, glad that you beat cancer, my brother. And I hope that, uh, Life continues to bless you in different ways. I also saw uh, Michael Dean for a minute. We talked. He's like, I didn't know you're going in town. And that's when I just said, like, I don't like announce myself. I just come. Uh, saw some other people while walking down the street. And it's still a little cold for this L.A. boy. You know, it's like 40 degrees. We're just trying to get to our car in the Dakota. But we were getting stopped. Saw Renee, who I've never met before from San Jose, who's a Dallas Cowboy fan. So we were in touch with stuff like that. And I met her fiance, a great guy. 
Um, and then it was on to the Dakota. And there we were. We lucked out. I hear parking is really terrible in the area. We lucked out. Found like the next closest parking space to the venue. Wide open. Walked in. Um, saw Maite was uh, heading in behind us. Um, we we were fortunate enough to get a table. I want to thank Liv's people for that. Um, I kind of made a complaint with the switch to them of the, of the target center that, you know, I wasn't finding a table with a really good view. And when I saw Andy Allo before, that was really difficult. Um, they took care of us. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Vanessa, thank you. And Liv took the stage probably around closer to midnight than 1130 that's okay. I mean, we have the Shockadelica party to go to afterwards. Liv was amazing. Just her band is tight. Ryan Waters, who used to play with Sade, who's an amazing guitarist in his own right, is incredible. Donna Grantis from Third Eye Girl came out and played a few songs. I was so appreciative because I was hurt because one of the shows I really wanted to see was uh, Donna at the Dakota, but I already got my plane tickets and whatnot, and I just was not going to be able to make it in time to see her shows. So to see her play was awesome. Adrian, BK, and Marcus were there, but they didn't have their instruments. I mean, they just did a two-hour show, but hello, if this is Prince, you'd be asked to bring in your equipment. But uh, they made up for it. Liv did everything off her unexpected album that you want to hear, kicking it off with the unexpected. You know, she did Soul Lifted. Just, it's so amazing seeing Liv, because these are, he worked with some really talented people before his passing, and Liv is up there with that. So, I just enjoyed the performance Enjoyed watching everything. Saw John Bream come in during the second song and uh, just sit down at a table and start taking notes. Saw Zahir uh, that day as well. It was great seeing him. And Priyana. Um, then after the show, I wanted to talk with Liv and whatnot and people um, before we headed off to the next after party. So I talked with Marcus, talked with Adrian, talked with BK. We really were trying to do something through Facebook Live as a podcast slash everything before we all took off. Our schedules couldn't mesh, but I told him that it's like in the plans. I don't know if you guys saw, but, you know, Adrian and Marcus and BK, they all like prank each other. And then BK earlier this week during rehearsals or whatnot, uh, he left his phone around. So Adrian got it and they went live on his phone and then posted to Instagram. That was just hilarious. The guy, these guys are just great energy. I really, really, really like the guys. I mean, Adrian, you know, a little bit closer just cause, uh, during Prince's memorial service in LA, that's who I sat with. You know, and we we got emotional together and whatnot. Um, yeah, 
but it was so good to see them under the circumstances. I saw Kirk Johnson there from Anticota. I think he was just trying to be hidden with everything that's going on. And then we headed on down to a fan party uh, called Shockadelica that was being hosted by the fans in Minneapolis, where they're from. So they should be uh, doing these parties and more of them. Hello. And they had DJ Dudley D in the mix, a few other people. It was really hot in there, which was needed just because I was feeling something in my throat for the past couple of days going from the warm weather L.A. to a little bit of a colder weather in Minneapolis. So it cleared whatever uh, funk was um, misguiding me and not wanting me to have fun. And the music was great. It was good seeing DJ Dudley D in the mix from the days of Paisley. And then when Liv would do shows at um, the Dakota, same with Judith Hill, excuse me, at Sayers Club in L.A., DJ Dudley D would be in the mix there for us after Liv performed. So it was kind of cool to get the atmosphere. It was good to see Joe. It was good to see uh, Megan from L.A., um, a few other people's whose name escaped me right now, but it was all love. There's supposed to be some other people that I met up with there, but they didn't stay because we didn't get there till like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, but we were there. Um, and this experience just with everything that was going on, it was just nice to party with people and look, you know, I, I get hard on some things just because of the dates that I wish it was at. I understand that people need something in April, and I understand that we're celebrating his life. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm just, it's difficult at times. Um, the prints on the big screen, I think the tickets could have been a little less. I just feel that. It hurts my heart to hear that there was only 7,000 people in attendance. You know, it was too big to do it at Paisley at the soundstage and now too small for an NBA playoff game. You know, Uh, they do want to take this on the road. They are thinking about it. They want to hear from you. Info at paisleypark.com. Let them know what country you want them to come to what city if you're in the united states where you want them to play info at paisleypark.com is where you want to go to let them know that you want this to take it on the road and let them know and see this is what the amazing thing was with the mpg music club is that By them signing up for a membership, they knew where the fans were. So it wasn't about wanting to ask from countries or whatnot. You knew where the audience was. He knew where he'd be able to do multiple shows and where he'd make a stop. Um, They don't have something like that set up right now. But info at paisleypark.com. Let them know you want this to come to your town. I did meet one person at the Dakota that just didn't like it. They just felt it was just weird with him being on the screen, you know, and they wanted to walk out, but they didn't. 
majority of the people that I heard from really enjoyed it. I hope that the footage that I posted helped you guys. It's still on the Funkenberry Facebook fan page. Um, I did talk with some people at Paisley to let them know that I have it up and that just to help with promotion of things and help with what was going on. Um, so it wasn't my ill intent to do anything. It was sharing the experience with others and just understanding that there's some stuff going on, some noise going on that we don't like, that we don't appreciate. And just hopefully hoping that it helped heal your heart a little bit or just take away stuff for a little bit of time. The next show that we're going to do is Celebration Day 3 then Celebration Day 4. have quite a few surprises coming up for you guys. Just like me arriving at something, I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, but something I want to make clear is the things that I do and have done for 20 years is for him and for you guys. I want the other people that are doing things to do it with that intent. You know, this isn't about you. You're you're not the star. I'm not the star. Prince is the star. Not was, is. This is all about him. You know, you guys are fans of him. You may be fans of me through him, but let's not get it twisted. This is all about him. The reason you're listening to the show, even though you may not like me, is because you can't get enough. You want more information on Prince. You want other things. And I understand that. It's not about your genuine like or dislike of me. It's your love for Prince. And I get that. And this has always been about him and not about me. And I'm just trying to do the best for you guys. And I, I kind of want to know if you guys like this to where it's just my voice talking to you because I want these out quicker. And sometimes when I'm when I'm getting a guest, it takes a little bit of time. I have people lined up, but schedules are difficult or even having a co-host. Um, my voice annoys the hell out of me. But if you guys like it, I'll do this more often than just for the celebration um, episodes because it makes it easier for me to do and I can do it at whatever time is available instead of when you're getting someone out there to co-host with you or get a guest. Um, so please let me know that. Give me your feedback. If there's stuff that you don't like that I do, let me know because that's how I progressed over the years of doing this is I'll look at the negative comments about me on certain sites because I can't be as good as people tell me I am and I can't be as bad as people think I am that don't like me. But the thing is, is you need ways to improve yourself and I'm willing to take that. I'm not going away. If that's what you're saying is like, oh, go away. That's my advice for you. Not going to happen. <laughs> but I want to thank you guys so much for listening, for putting up with me. Um, it means a lot. Seeing a lot of you there was very nice and your comments were kind. I very much appreciate it. Thank you guys that are listening. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes, for Stitcher. 
please share on different platforms. Please share when you see it, whether it's a retweet or posting it on your Facebook page or Facebook group or on other websites. I really, really, really appreciate it. I can't do it myself. I don't want to make up a freaking fake name and post stuff. So I really, really appreciate it. It means a lot, whether there's things that you like about it or don't like about it. I appreciate it. I see it. It means the world to me. Thanks again so much. And uh, you'll be listening to my voice sooner than you think when it comes to Celebration Day 3. Much love. Keep it funky. Till next time. And thank you, LV, for years for doing my artwork and doing Prince's artwork and continuing to do the artwork for my podcast covers. I really, really, really appreciate it. They're awesome. LV is amazing. Just want to let that be known. Till next time, y'all. Keep it funky.